Holly, so thank you for joining us to talk to us today. Now, it's quite a remarkable journey that you've been on and you're kind enough to share that experience with us. So if you can talk to me about what you've experienced in terms of, of a heart condition and, and what that entailed and what you went through. Yeah, so back in 2019, um, I was on the football pitch warming up and my heart just felt funny. I was getting like a, an overwhelming feeling of like a, f a fish flopping in my chest okay. is the best way to describe it. And I was getting a little bit lightheaded and just didn't feel right, but carried on with the warm up, went into the first practice and like things started to get a little bit worse. So I came out of the practice um, and started to go like quite dizzy. So I came to the side. So my dad um, drove to picked me up we went to the hospital and they ran like loads of tests um, and they said that I, my heart was in atrial flutter which is um, a condition where your heart beats irregularly so like the top two chambers beat at a different time to the lower ones okay. um, and it causes this flutter so it feels literally like weak and floppy in your chest and you're a bit like <gasps> out of breath um, trying to catch it all the time um, and it can cause like a little bit of dizziness and like not numb but weird feelings in your arm. Yeah. So um, I spent all night in A&E but then they discharged me with the symptoms like I was still in atrial flutter so I went home and then the next day I was taken back up to hospital by ambulance where they said like it's really bad it's it's in flutter still and it had been in flutter for for like 18 hours um, and there's a period of time where like something to do with the blood thickens so there's a there's a time where you have to either revert it back into its normal rhythm by a defib or you have to then go on blood thinners and then they'll put you to sleep and do it a bit later on but it had gotten to the point where I was past the window of where they could just put me to sleep and defib it back so I had to go through all the rigmarole of going on to a ward and it being in flutter for I think it was in the end two and a half days before they could like put me on the blood th so I was having blood thinners through a needle in my tummy um, and then they were able to then put me to sleep in one of the cath labs and electric shock me like stop stop my heart to start it again with it the hope because it's it's usually very successful but there is a chance that it it won't go into its normal sinus rhythm so they did that it was fine um, and then they said that the long-term solution will be a catheter ablation which is a procedure where again they usually put you to sleep um, and then they go in through the groin with these like catheters and I don't know probes and it goes up into the heart and they're able to fiddle with the electrics because it's an electrical um, problem like the the electrics are firing at random different times which causes the the palpitations and the flutters so it's quite so a, they, a very evasive one yeah they so they they put the catheters in and like do a what's like an investigation to see where it's coming from and then they ablate the area so i think it's freezing it so it cuts off the electrical current um, to stop the irregular beats um, so my first surgery was five hours um, because the the consultant said it was I was really stubborn um, because he thought he had the the electrical 
problem sorted but then they do the more tests and whatnot but it was still coming back um, and it turned out that the current was coming at, like at the back of my heart um, which he eventually got and then went home recovered and then for the first like three months everything was like great it was sorted um, and then I started experiencing flutter episodes again so um, had to then go back and get tested and make sure it was flutter mm -hmm. and then we went into lockdown like the first lockdown in the march and i was doing a home workout um, and my heart went into flutter and i knew it was really serious at this point Having experience the first yeah, time around. because it shouldn't have gone into flutter but it did but i knew like the feeling was like like really bad and i have this like not coping mechanism but like a when it happens sometimes i'm able to do this like really loud like breath and sometimes it'll flip okay. like it'll stop the flutter but i was doing it and doing it and i couldn't get out of the flutter um went up to the hospital me and my mum and then i had to be put to sleep in a and e to be defibbed again to get it out of the atrial flutter which like is it, the whole thing of having to go into the hospital and especially when you're being put to sleep and it's to do with your heart like it was it, it emo like really emotional yeah would you say that because obviously it's sort of what you've, you've spoken about in terms of the evasive surgery physically and that stopping you playing football but yeah. I suppose it's also that um, that emotional and then that mental yeah. impact that that has you on has yeah. on you as a person as well yeah it's like unbelievable <laughs> I'm getting a bit emotional <laughs> no just give me a second no it, it oh gosh it's a lot to yeah to contend with yeah so all the emotional side like when you're in the moment you don't think about it because yeah. it's there and then and it's happening there. but when you you're signing the papers because you have to sign the papers to say what could go wrong it, it then hits you and obviously I couldn't have anyone in in the A&E resource room when I was being defibbed so just because of the nature of the, the, the procedure, procedure okay. they can't have anyone there so I had it done um, and came back round and then it was a waiting game through COVID to get my second surgery because this first one wasn't successful so um, I then had my second surgery in the September of 2020, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Um, which again went really well we thought but I was still having little problems but like because I don't like to worry yeah my family and I was trying to cover it up okay and like pretend that what was happening wasn't yes so that was really difficult because I was keeping it to myself yeah, holding it in um and anyway it wasn't successful and um I had to have a third surgery after a gym session again um I was doing a workout um and my heart went into atrial flutter and at first um, I was like, no, nah, I'll be all right. It's not, it's not happening. I don't want to go up to hospital. And James, my boyfriend was like, we should go because mm -hmm. you, I was in flutter for five and a half hours. Right, oh, wow, so a significant amount yeah. of time. So James took me up and they were like, yeah, this is serious. Like you're in flutter. We need to, we need to put you on the ward and we're going to treat you in, like, in the morning because at this point it was like, 
it was like two in the morning so okay. when I say in the morning like at a normal time yeah um, so then this was during like the tier system and lockdown so I was on my own which was hard yeah um, so then I went up to the ward and was settled and then they said they were gonna um, defib me again which I got really upset about because it's just not nice to go through yeah and, and especially having to have gone th before, through it twice yeah, before like that. I was I was worked up and um James and my mum were actually coming in the car with like some of my stuff when I just found out so I was in quite a state when I was facetiming yeah, them on the way understandable. Um, and then literally two minutes after they told me they were doing that they said no we're not doing that we're gonna treat to cure which okay. was a release the to hair. The third surgery, yeah. So they said, we're going to treat you as an inpatient, um, which was hard because there's a lot of things that I saw and heard in there at the time, which was really difficult. But it was the best way to get cured, if you would, quickly. Yeah. So I didn't have to wait months. It was just a week. Um, so on the Sunday night from midnight, I had to fast all the way until the surgery, whatever time that would be, whether it be morning, um, noon or in the afternoon so the, the whole day went by and it got to four o'clock in the afternoon and they were like no it's not today sorry so okay. then I'd starved all day yeah and the emotional like I'm on my own because we're in lockdown I've, I'm doing this on my own um, and like kind of just not psyching myself up but just like logically thinking and like just trying to calm myself down was doing that all day didn't happen mm -hmm. and they were like Tuesday it's gonna get done um, so I had to fast again from midnight wow, Tuesday day. yeah Tuesday came and went <laughs> didn't have didn't the happen. surgery so Wednesday came and they were like right we'll, we'll hopefully have you today so um, I fast again from midnight um, and then it gets to like two o'clock in the afternoon and they were like right you're going for surgery and I'd literally just woken up from a nap at this point so I was like Right, okay. yeah. right. So I get all gowned up, transported down to the cath lab and meet with the surgeon. And I, I'm near enough signing the paperwork. Um, and then he comes back and says, no, there's no anaesthetist. So then I have to go all the way back up to the ward and like the rush and the stress of what has just happened and the adrenaline was like so overwhelming. So then I come back up to the ward and then they were like, right, tomorrow, Thursday, we're gonna get it done so then I fasted again from midnight wow. and then Thursday actually came and I was the first patient in so that was it it was Thursday it, it did was go, Thursday go ahead. Yes. having had but three three days of fasting, three of fasting yeah. and then and the not. psychological right we're going yeah no we're not it's <laughs> a lot to contend with yeah so that off. was really really difficult So then I came out of the surgery um, the day after I was discharged and then I could start my recovery um, which was a really really hard recovery um, not just physically because I mean physically I couldn't I couldn't do anything because I was in pain yeah. from six hours worth of prodding at my heart essentially hands, yes. um, and obviously the the tiredness of the anesthetic wearing off and just just tiredness and fatigue but the, the mental and emotional side of it was really really tough um, and I was I was breaking down all the time 
I was I was panicking mm-hmm. um, and I just I didn't have a coping mechanism because my coping mechanism is playing football with and with that taken yeah, away or go into the gym for a workout and that was all taken away from me and I, I couldn't do that for I couldn't work out for six weeks so that was all taken away from me and I was I was just a shell of myself like I looked I looked healthy to look at and looked happy mm-hmm. but the reality was I was I was already crumbled inside like I was so broken and low and upset and I didn't know how to deal with feelings mm-hmm. and I I was constantly worrying about other people because I didn't want them to know how upset and how much I couldn't cope. So you felt like you were sort of putting so a was, brave face yeah, on I was, for the benefit of other yeah, people? Yeah, was, there was like inside. a wall and I was just trying to keep everything in mm-hmm. and then it just, it just got too much and I I needed to get some professional help and speak to somebody and speak yeah. with someone so I got some counseling which helped and I just let myself be vulnerable at the end of the day yeah and just cried when I needed to and be upset when I needed to and just accept that that's who I am in that moment mm-hmm. and as I'm sure many people many people watching yeah. this will also <laughs> will also say if and it's nothing to be ashamed of and it was the best thing that I could have done by just being emotional yeah. and open and honest and it, it definitely helped. A key, a key part of, of recovery I yeah. would imagine. Emotionally, mentally, yeah. Definitely worth if anyone struggles, it's definitely reach out because talking helps and listening yeah. to what people have to say because their advice sometimes is what you need to hear. Makes a big difference. Yeah, for sure. It, it's a remarkable thing to have gone through in, in how how old are you now? Um, I'm 26, 26, so I started at 24. So it's a, yeah, for that, to have gone through that at, that at a young age as well. Yeah. Um, what do you think you've taken from all that? I mean, football aside, just even as a person, I know the, the yeah. saying of what, you know, it makes you stronger, but. Yeah, definitely stronger, but. I'd say just being grateful for the little things. So before all this happened, like I really loved to work out and whether that was on the football pitch or the gym. And then this happened and that was taken away from me. So I was always grateful for being able to work out because I know that there's hundreds of thousands of people that don't have that blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, But since all the health issues I've had, I I definitely don't take that for granted anymore. And one thing I say all the time is if you have legs that will carry you and a heart that will push you, then use it. And do it, yeah. For sure. Pre-appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of a timeline with Burnley, if you talk us through at which point that you signed and where you were in your recovery. Okay, so I had a conversation with the manager in March 2021 um, and um, everything that we spoke about, I was sure that whether I was going to be healthy the week after or a month or two after, whatever it was, that I wanted to come to Burnley and play. But then in the um, April, that's when I had the third surgery. And yeah, I was in a bit of a rough spot. Had the third surgery, but the manager was like, don't worry about it. We still want you here. We're gonna back you all the way. 
however long it takes, it takes, but we're not going anywhere. And he ma made it really clear mm -hmm. that this was going to be the club that I came to. So I didn't have to worry about that, which was great. Yeah, did that and help then, Yeah, that? and then once I had the surgery, I came down to just a couple of training sessions just to watch. And again, was like, eh, this is where, like, I was so excited because there'd been such a long period where I'd been without football because of the health condition. And mm -hmm. I was like, right, yeah, this is, somewhere that I was for me. Yeah, <laughs> and I just I just was buzzing about it. Um, and then July came, um, signed on officially, um, and then spent a, a lot of time with Eve and um, had a programme kind of tailored to what I needed to do and returned to selection dates. So there was always goals along the way, but as the weeks went by, like there was so many ups and downs because I was having like uh, fit for selection dates, but I just was so far behind mm -hmm. and just was nowhere near ready. Yeah. And it was like, keep going. Yeah. But like at the same time, I was so sad. Like there was a period of time in like September, October where I, I was just, I was just crying so much like away from football because I thought, is it actually going to be possible to, to get back on the, and the play field? Again. And like, the manager had, had obviously had conversations with me about like my role and what they want from me, and I was excited for that. And at that point in time, I couldn't I couldn't even be in a squad practice because my body just wasn't ready. And I would be working with Eve and like would have a great session, and then literally the session the next day I could have like an issue, and it felt like I was taking steps, steps, back. steps back. And I'd I remember I was like I'd done like a bit of running or whatever and I was like bent over and I remember looking in at one of the possession practices and like I could feel my eyes tearing because I was like I am so far away from being able to play at that intensity mm -hmm. um, but I kept going and weeks went by and I started to make some good progress and then got to finally do some uh, squad practices and just gone built gone from up. there yeah it's built from there really so in terms of it was yeah squad practices it was building up building up fitness and then yeah. you finally the, the big breakthrough a moment came yes. um when you featured in the Middlesbrough game yes. uh, at the beginning of January so that was so it's a 30 minute cap yeah yeah you can play. first game yeah, was 30 minutes game. and so you came on how yeah. did it feel when you were on there to be to be finally back playing doing what you love and the, all the hard yeah. work and every single thing that you'd been through you could get to that moment yeah. and and play like I was it, it football just brings me so much joy like I feel so fulfilled and I'm just at my happiest when I've got a ball at my feet and I honestly felt I, I just felt so proud of myself yeah. and I, like, I don't care if that sounds really big-headed, but... Like, I think it's well-deserved. <laughs> I honestly, like, that was the goal, was if I can only ever play one more time and cross that line one more time, then I've, I've done it. And that was the moment where I, I did it and I'm able to kick on from there, which is yeah. great. But, yeah, I was, I was overwhelmed. I, I, was, I, I felt really emotional because when I came on, 
like all all my teammates yeah you got rousing cheers stopped and proper like applauded yeah. me and like i was i was really taken aback yeah it was quite, <laughs> it was quite a moment yeah it's a long journey to, to get there yeah. as a destination yeah it was it, it was really long like i'd gone from being like the fastest the fittest and the strongest to a point where i was like the slowest the weakest the most vulnerable person and being able to get near enough back to where i once was was it's like oh, a relief yeah because there was so much hard work that n no one has really seen i mean james my boyfriend's seen the hard work mm -hmm. and my, my parents but so much hard work away from the field like in the gym and doing as much as possible to get back a huge yeah huge amount so to, to contend with mm -hmm. so what does it look like moving forward in terms of what you and eva have been working on is what game time you can have yeah. as you're you continue to come back yeah so 30 and then i can have 45 and then 70 and then 90 a whole and game 90. <laughs> yeah. and is there a, a time frame of that or is uh, it just game by game okay. so every game goes up goes as long as i'm feeling good yep and there's no problem plan yeah that's the aim great we'll aim <laughs> for the full 90. <laughs> definitely <laughs> can't wait to see that one can't wait to play in it <laughs>mentioned it but how are you finding Burnley yourself as a, as a Burnley FC women player at uh, the ethos at the club mm. the, the feeling within the squad how have you adapted and, and settled yeah. in absolutely love it like honestly it is like the best club that I've been to everyone like my teammates are amazing like they're great to play with but they're just great people like great humans and they're so they've been so supportive and patient mm -hmm. you know like they just check in with me like how are you doing how's it going and I just feel welcomed here from like the first week that I was here it's a really really great place I feel like I've got all the tools that I could possibly need here um, I'm just really grateful for everything that the coaching team have supported me with right and you mentioned eve the physio so you yeah. two will have worked closer than yeah. <laughs> so probably the yeah. closest to eve yeah um, like you sure. say on your, your rehab and, and coming yeah. back into the game so how, how have you found working working with her and the support like, that she's given you amazing like she's so good at what she does and the support that she's given me from when i signed was well even before i officially signed like was the support's been amazing like having like a little program to to build myself back into the squad practices that was specifically tailored to my needs. Like, I feel like I've, I've never had that anywhere else. So it's really like individual and personal. Yeah, that one-to-one. Um, -one. And she, she's incredible at her job. Really nice, nice shout out to Ian Shoshan and yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and so let's talk on the pitch uh, in the sense of how Burnley are doing at the moment. So there's been a, a run of consecutive wins, yeah. cup win at the weekend, some league yes. wins before that. How how do you see the, the rest of the season going if you had a crystal ball? How do you think things are, are going to uh, be going? I think it's going to be exciting. Um, I feel like we're, we've really started to gel now as a team, understand how each other plays. Um, I feel like I've fit into that quite well mm -hmm. um, and I think we're going to have a really good run uh, from now to the end of the season. It would be great as well to get to the final of the Lanx Cup and obviously win that. Yeah, so definitely something to aim for. Yeah. 
Um, okay, well, thank you, Holly, and thank you for, for sharing that your experience there and going into to detail. I know it's something very personal to you, so we very much appreciate you talking to us. I'm sure that the squad and everyone involved at the club of the women's team wish you all the best um, in terms of your recovery. It's been quite a journey you've been on, but it's fantastic to see see you back on the pitch mm -hmm. uh, and enjoying your football. And Thank long you. may that continue. Thank you very much. <laughs>